What's up, guys? Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the Green Mountain Dental Group. They're located in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist group, dentist group in the metro area, and they're extremely proud Colorado sports fans just like us. If you go to Green Mountain Dental and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush right now. They're a long-time DNVR partner, so why don't you go support them just the same way that they've supported us? Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast, a Friday edition presented by StravaCraft Coffee. As always, make sure you check out StravaCraft Coffee. It's rich, it's tasty, it's CBD infused. You get all that boost you need out of your coffee. You get a little bit of that CBD, might help you with some aches, some pains, might uh, cure the jitteriness that you might get from coffee that some people deal with. So make sure you give them a try and use the code DNVR20 to get 20% off your order at checkout. Gentlemen, happy Friday. Happy Friday and the last pod in Denver before we take over Indianapolis. Yes, next time you hear from us, we will be in Indy with three times as many people as the Broncos have coaches. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yep, three to one. That math was hard for me. That confused me. Vic's going to be busy. Yeah, Vic will be the only coach there for the Broncos, which is interesting. Hope he takes good notes. In my opinion, but we'll see what happens. Someone, uh, I was talking to Cecil Lammy today. He said, you've got the people who buy the groceries in the NFL and you've got the cooks. And the coaches are the cooks. So leave them to cooking and let the scouts buy the groceries. <laughs> I thought it was a good metaphor, at least. That's not what they believe in Cincinnati. <laughs> what? Why? Cincinnati has a bare-bones scouting department. Oh, That's of course. Of we should have known, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> should have understood that reference. <laughs> Uh, well, they don't need too many scouts to know that Joe Burrow is really good. So that'll help them out. Um, you would think. Yes, you they would They may think. mess that up. Well, without further ado, why don't we just jump right into the question of the week, which surrounds the Combine. It's presented by Sports Column. Sports Column, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You can get amazing wings and shoot jumpers in the same place. In a great location. In a great location, <laughs> right in the heart of downtown. What I just... And great uh, drink deals. Yeah, I don't know what more you're looking for. It's, and it's not like a papa shot. Like, we're talking full-size basketball hoop, full-size basketball. If you make it, it returns the ball right to you. With a full-size beer right next to you. I, I, I don't know why you're not there right now as you're listening to this. The question of the week, which is presented by Sports Column, is what are you most excited to learn at the Combine? Or what are you most looking forward to hearing from the Combine? Zach, why don't I start with you? Oh, with me. I don't care about the combine. Okay. In terms we'll of leave you home. In terms of the combine itself, like what happens? I don't. You know, Henry Ruggs. I, I want to see what his forty-yard time is, just to see if it breaks John Ross's. But guys, I know he's fast. I know he has NFL speed. Uh, that'll be the the funnest number to follow. That'll be the most fun thing to come out of the combine for me. But what I care about, and it, it's really f- 
funny when, when it's put this way. We go to the Combine to talk to John Elway and Vic Fangio in terms of the spotlight stuff. And uh, everyone from Denver goes to the Combine to talk to John Elway and Vic Fangio. It's really funny. Everyone goes to Indianapolis to talk to the guys that are just right here. So I'm curious to know about the team right now and who, who John Elway is going to let test the market, who he's not g- going to let test the market, who he's talked to so far. We're going to find those things out. And then, of course, everything that comes uh, after hours, of course. Yeah, for me, it's what we're going to learn medical-wise. And that's one of those things that doesn't come out formally. It kind of comes out in, in drips and drabs, so to speak. But the most important thing about the Combine to a lot of teams is the medicals. So, for example, LaVisca Cheneau has a chance to solidify his status if he passes muster in all the medical exams that teams are going to put him through, or his status could plummet, and he could, he could even be a third-rounder if teams examine him and don't like what they see uh, from his injury history and just based on, on how things have healed over the years. So... That's the part that I'm kind of looking at, and when I write my combine preview here over the weekend on guys that sort of had the most to gain, a lot of it's going to be, or lose, a lot of it's going to be based on the medicals. Yeah, I mean, for me, when we talk medicals, the first thing that comes to mind is LaVisca Chenault. I'm still not necessarily sure if he's going to participate, but you'd love to see him be able to check off some boxes. Um, I think that... Here's what's really unfortunate for LaVisca. He is not someone who's going to win an interview um, from a media perspective or from a team perspective. He's just not that type of guy. He's very shy. He's very quiet. And so I'm worried for him if he's not able to test and he's only at the combine to talk to teams because I don't think that's going to help his stock. Mm-hmm. Where his stock is going to be helped is if he can participate and he runs a 4-4-4 and he, he jumps a million feet in the air and broad jumps like Cam Newton and just, you know, blows everyone away. He is an athletic freak. That's what he does. That's what his entire um, draft stock rests around. If he isn't, If he goes there and the medicals are iffy, and he doesn't interview well, it could be really bad for his stock. Now, that might be good if you're someone who's rooting for him to end up on a, as a, a Bronco. But personally, for me, I'm rooting for him to get drafted as high as he possibly can. And I'm worried that if he can't test out there, it's going to be rough for his stock. So is that, the mo- is that the thing that you're most excited about for the Combine? Is everything LaVisca? Yes. And all the other buffs who are there. Uh, <laughs> Shouldn't be surprised. And, you know, we learn. I, I just love it. It is a convention. Um, and, wow, we won't be hanging out with the Broncos coaches at night. We will get to talk to other coaches, learn a lot of stuff about the league, maybe learn some stuff about the Broncos, learn some stuff about targets in free agency. That's something we've always been able to uncover from, you know, agents who are out there. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I'm most excited about is – We've been th- we've been um, throwing a little wrench in our gears. We have to get more creative about how we're going to uh, learn things, and uh, I'm excited for the challenge. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a whirlwind, man. It, it we're gonna get an indie, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fast. It's gonna be fast and fun. Fast, fun, furious, and uh, get ready to be working on very little sleep because the nights are going to be late. And the mornings for media availability, 
They're going to be early. Not as early as it is for the coaches, though, so I never feel bad for us. <laughs> it's true. I mean, again. Last year we were out with some coaches. It was like 3.30 in the morning, and they were like, oh, yeah, I gotta go. we have meetings at 5.30. I like, was just like, what? <laughs> at that <laughs> point, you're like, why bother going to sleep? Just I don't, I don't know if they did. Two years ago, uh, some of the coaches were volunteering to do a workout in the morning before those meetings, too. It's like, what are you? Just enjoy yourself this week. Vic's not letting that happen, though, this year. No, no, no enjoyment happening this week for the Zero coaches. fun. All right, well, let's see what the people have to say they're most looking forward to from the Combine. And the first one here comes in from Gunner Kane. He says, well, if loose lips sink ships, then I'm curious to see if we learn anything at all. We will. We'll learn something. We'll, we'll learn plenty. Caleb Osbrook says, Ruggs' 40 time, arguably the most important thing for him being available at 15. Texas yeah, you Broncos. want him to run a poor <laughs> yeah, you 40 do. if you yeah. want him at 15. <laughs> yep. Yep. Texas Broncos says, Rager and Visca 40 times. Rager's interesting because if he runs better than expected, he can actually sprint his way legitimately into the first round. Based you, on his 40 times. What do you guys think of the combine and, and how much weight would you put to it? Like with me, I don't care what rugs runs. I don't care what these guys run. I know if they can play football by watching the tape. I want to, I want what I've seen on tape to add up with what those numbers bear out. And if not, then I have to reevaluate. I, I want to see why it's not adding up. With a guy like Henry Ruggs, where he's played top competition, though, and he's played guys at the next NFL level, like who, who would be a guy? If you're talking about a guy that hasn't played much competition, then, then I, I would agree with you there. But with Ruggs, it doesn't matter. Well, with someone like Rager, let's say you're comparing him to Ruggs, Rager never had the quality at quarterback that Ruggs has had. So let's say he's comparable to rugs across the board. Then do you go back and say, okay, let's take a look at him. How much was his quarterback play letting him down compared to Henry Ruggs working mostly with Tua Tagovailoa, a potential top five pick over the Just last couple Rager's of years? Just because Rager's stats at the combine are similar to Ruggs is what you're saying? Yeah, if his numbers at the combine, if like his time speed, if they're similar, then you say, okay, what's the difference? Was it on him or was it on other people around him letting him down a little bit? These numbers to me are... Less than 5% of the equation. So I think you know going into the combine if these guys uh, are, are similar or not. The, the thing is, like, does a guy look really fast on tape and then runs a slow 40? Now you go back and you say, okay, well, why, does, why is this happening? Oh, well, maybe he didn't face any good corners. And so that, so that, those are just things like, like, like you just want to have one set of notes of what you've seen, one set of notes of what the numbers are. And in a perfect world – you're just drawing arrows and everything lines up and you're saying, okay, cool. The evaluation is right. Now, a lot of times there's something odd. Um, but w what I'm with you with on, on this, Zach, is like DK Metcalf last year. He, everyone knows he's a physical freak. Everyone sees this. Um, he goes and blows up the combine. But then was his three-cone drill? His three-cone drill was like the worst <laughs> out of anyone. And people started freaking out over that. And then they start drawing conclusions oh well maybe that's why he didn't have pr uh, production at Ole Miss and that's where you get yourself in trouble is like the guy what he does well is be a physical freak right and he came to the NFL and was still a physical freak that's where everyone kind of tricked themselves out of it what's cool. interesting also you look at all those Mississippi guys because you had of course DK Metcalf also uh, uh, Dawson Knox with the Bills you have a bunch of guys that 
did better than their stats would have shown at Mississippi. So maybe Jordan Tamu was the problem. Exactly. Um, Mr. Sinister comes in next and he says, fitting his name, nothing. (laughs) So fitting. You know what's funny here is that the Combine is overrated in a lot of ways. It gets overrated because of the media. Because we all go. So we want it to matter because we're there. But if coaches start doing what Vic Fangio is doing and pull other coaches from the combine, that's going to change really quickly. It will. It would be a lot easier for every media member to say the combine is dumb and no one should care about it if they weren't going. (laughs) Right, exactly. I will say this. I feel like I get more as far as a feel for prospects and where they end up falling, I get a better feel for that at the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game oh, than at the Combine. A times a because million. Because it's football. Are they ever – and maybe at that point when media stops going is when they'll have to um, change things and let us watch. Or change – Yes. Right. Or change how the events are run because they are transforming it into this public event, this spectacle that's on television. Like, for example – the 40-yard dash, that's an event where you could see if they continue massaging this for marketing purposes, for TV purposes, that it turns into a true competition, maybe where you've got two guys running at the same time against each other. What if instead of the 40-yard dash, they ran the 60-yard post? And they had to run an actual route. <laughs> or 60 t- yards, I like that. 10-yard slant. Yeah, I mean that's that would actually that's be huge. That's actually what the shuttle drill though is, isn't it? Like how fast you can change direction. Change direct. That's that's what they're there for. The three cone and the short shuttle are all about uh, changes of direction. Yeah, I just think and eventually cutting. they're gonna have to let us watch. Why can't we watch the drills? Give me one good reason. It's stupid. There's no. They're reason. being yeah. done in a football stadium. They're doing being done in a football stadium with what sixty thousand seats, right. and it's right next door to where all the media is, and have it's on television. The, yes, have all the um, NFL people on one side. They don't want to be bothered by the media during this, which is understandable. Have all the media on the other side. Problem solved. We get to watch. It's way cooler. Everyone has a lot more fun during the day, and. They could just look at the Senior Bowl. I mean, there, there's executives, uh, coaches, and media just all around. Yep. Yeah. It's so weird to me. It, yeah. it makes no sense. Mm-mm. And then I love seeing players in person. I really do believe there is a huge difference between seeing players in person and seeing them on tape. It's just you can feel the, the, like some guys are like of LaVisca Chenault. You're standing right next to him. And you're like, oh, my God, I can feel the ground shake when this guy moves. You know, like just little things like that. You learn so much. Last year watching Drew Locke and I watched the way the ball zipped when he came out of his hands. I'm like, wow, it looks good on tape. It looks way better when you're standing right here. It is coming so fast. So I don't know. I just think that eventually they're going to have to make that move. Seth says how Rich Eisen's 40 time compares to top prospects. He's joking. Yeah, Rich Eisen does a great job of raising money at this event. It's pretty crazy how it's blown up so to be so big Eamon Badwin says more information on the inside linebackers coming out of this draft it's after Simmons and Queen it's kind of quiet yeah we were talking about this on the draft podcast yesterday afternoon uh some guys to look at I I really want to see how Marcus Bailey uh from Purdue I want to or I want to find out how his medicals are because 
when he does play, he's been sensational, but he's had a couple of ACL injuries, including one early last year. So I think he's fallen off some you know, media and public radars. He's still clearly on NFL team radars, but if he passes the medicals, that's a day three flyer where you say, okay, fine. If you can get healthy, he can be a stud. Our guy Samuel Bisu says, nothing from the field, just want to watch your coverage and what scoops you get this year. In years past, you've been dead on. That's my favorite answer right there. He's dead right on that. <laughs> Uh, what else we got here? Um, want this one from Rhett. I want to see the Adonis Club, Visca, Simmons, Mikai Becton, Chase Young, Tristan Wirfs, light indie up. I mean, I, I like the, the, the term there, the Adonis Club. Well, Mikai Becton's actually an interesting one just because he's 367 pounds, and I think there may be some false expectation for what he does in the bench press for example you know Orlando Brown Jr. a couple of years ago in the bench press a big guy tackle coming out of Oklahoma famously uh, flubbed that it appeared not ready and that was uh, something that was a hot topic at the combine that year but he's gone on to become a pretty good player once he got in the league so it's part of how the combine can deceive a little bit that being said with Becton just because he's 367 doesn't mean he's going to throw up a huge number on the bench press if he just gets to 24, 25 reps, hits the baseline, that's fine. But he may not have the ungodly number that some people are projecting. Uh, I'm just, I hate the overreaction. It happens to two to four players a year mm-hmm. where players either have a terrible combine and they fall big time, like you mentioned, Mace, or players have a great combine and they jump up big time. Those players scare, the, the guys that jump up scare the heck out of me. Well, I mean, a dark tale from Philadelphia Eagles history is passing on Warren Sapp for Mike Mamula back in 1995 because Mamula nailed the combine. And he was really the first guy that had a training protocol specifically designed for the combine workouts to impress. Smart. It was smart on his part. He became a first-round pick, but it's one of the Eagles' haunting mistakes, especially with Warren Sapp being on the, the Bucks team that uh, kept them out of one Super Bowl appearance back in January of 2003. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Apologize to any Philadelphia people in our audience. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's because... They're football players, right? They're not out there on Sunday to lift yeah. weights and to run fast and to do three-cone drills. Exactly. They're there to play football. The other thing, sometimes you know, guys can be sick. I mean, what if a guy shows up for the combine and has the flu, right? for example? Or, you know, just guys have bad days. It's, that's why this is part of the puzzle, but it's a piece or two of the puzzle. It's not the entire thing. But, yes, there will be that overreaction. The one thing, though— if a player does do poorly at the combine, you have to find out why. Is it a preparation issue? Because that may reflect negatively on his football character and his ability to be ready when it matters. Or is it something as simple as, oh, I was, I was sick that week. I, I wasn't myself. I had a, an illness in the family, death in the family. I've had a lot on my mind lately. Because a lot of times it can be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And you just have to make sure that you do your research properly and not just look at the numbers. Caleb Jeff says he wants to know who is fast. Yeah. I the, think, fo- the 40 uh, time yeah. it is pro- has to be 
the most popular event to watch, the most popular numbers to look at, because you kind of know what's good and what's bad. I don't really know, you know, what a great bench press is, what a great three cone time, what all of those things. The 40 time is pretty universally known. It also kind of speaks to kind of a simple elemental uh, human thing. Like we want to know who the who is the fastest, who is the strongest. It's why even though like Olympic sports, a lot of them are you know, obscure and don't get a lot of play. We're always interested in who the, who runs the hundred meter dash, right? You want to know who's the fastest person there. We're always interested in the sprint events and swimming. We want to know who the fastest swimmer is. So it's just something basic that appeals to all of us who follow sports. Yep, exactly. And Mace, I think this last one here is all you with, uh, the little gif of the Simpsons. Oh yes. It's a gif of Barney Gumble. At who uh, wins a lifetime supply of beer, and he just says, just hook it to my veins. <laughs> and because the comment is anything to do with the draft. <laughs> just hook it to my veins, indeed. And so people come over and they put an IV in him straight from the truck. Yes. Nothing but good, nothing but draft info. Some of it good, some of it dece- deceiving, it's but a, it's, it's a, info regardless. It's actually a very fitting and accurate uh, gift for the draft because, because, or for the combine, because at the combine, we learn all about the draft and there is just IV of beer going around. Yeah. Draft beer. <laughs> right. Some may say. <laughs> it's On a, tap. It's a what? Light IPA? What is? The, the draft beer that just flows around uh, in Indy. Yes. yes. It is. The beer flows like wine. I honestly. As d- they said in Dumb and Dumber. I honestly don't see much beer being drank in Indianapolis. No. no it's more of a. It's it's more of a. It's harder stuff. It's hard. It's, it's, it's scotch. It's being drank in a low ball glass. Yeah. <laughs> it's scotch. It's cocktails. That sort of thing. I once saw Jay Gruden sign his contract extension at Prime 47 and then start playing champagne pong with the most expensive <laughs> champagne they had there. Why would you not? And literally, Rap, Rappaport breaks the news yeah. from Prime 47. Like, as we're – everyone's just standing there. <laughs> Did you think about getting the scoop? Uh, yeah, no. But, like, it was kind of one of those things where Rappaport tweets it, then everyone, like, looks around, and they're like, and like they're like high fiving, and like <laughs> it was so crazy. And then they went upstairs into a private room, and started playing beer pong. Was that a champagne. good? Was that a good decision? Did the Redskins regret that late night choice, or were they happy with it? I think uh, the failures of Jay Gruden happened because of factors beyond his control, for the most part. Where is he now? Jacksonville OC. Hmm. Sounds like a place where OCs go to die. Sounds like he's also a coach in waiting if they get off to a slow start and they decide to pull the plug on Doug Marone. Well, that's true. That, that's what that sounds like yep, to me. That is true. Yeah. All right. Well, it's Friday. That means it's a Breck Brew Friday. Get yourself some damn good beers tonight. Might I recommend the Strawberry Sky? You may have heard me mention it once or twice before, but it's undefeated as a beer. Talked to someone last night who said they had their first one the other day. And it lived up to the hype. And we're talking about months of hype here. Years, it takes maybe. a lot. It takes a lot to live <laughs> up to that kind of hype. But Strawberry Sky will do it for you. So tonight, when you're thinking, man, I could really use a drink on your way home from work, stop by our local liquor store. Maybe it's Davidson's. 
and grab yourself a six pack of strawberry sky and just might as well drink all of them tonight and uh, have yourself a night. And something that may make you want to drink those Breck brews is thinking about getting your taxes done. <laughs> but mm. don't worry, we have the solution for you. Our guys over at Symbiote Tax, specifically George, who is a DNVR subscriber, these guys can help you so your taxes don't turn you to drink. They've been awesome for us and our clients. They're licensed professionals and like I said, George, one of us, so you can talk sports with him while you get your taxes done. Uh, make sure you call them, 720-366-4470, to schedule a free consultation. So you don't even have to worry about that first consultation. Or visit them at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O.com to get your taxes taken care of. You got to do your taxes and talk about Denver sports with another DNVR subscriber. I mean... You could talk about Breck Brews, too. You could talk about it all. Um, real quick, you guys know that I like to weave in CU as much as I ever uh, possibly can <laughs> into this podcast. But I, I did have, not know that. I have good reason today. Did you see the who's who of the Denver Broncos sitting courtside at the Buffs game last night? Father and son? Well, you had Vic and Phil, who went to the game together, which I think that's rare. That's actually pretty awesome, especially if they rode up together. They did. Yeah, so that's you know, that that's a good solid five hours of coach player one on one time with the ride there, the ride back. Who initiates out that? I think uh, I, I assume Phil. Because Phil was sitting in his usual courtside mm-hmm. seats that he sits in when he goes to those games. So are those Phil seats? Well, I, I don't think they're his seats. I think they're like reserved for CU royalty seats. <laughs> and Vic is a basketball fan. I mean, he loves yeah. going to Nuggets games. You've got a top 20 team right here in the state of Colorado, USC, coming in. They're headed for the tournament. He's in town. Good night to go catch a couple of good teams. I was Big dis- game. I was disappointed. Literally nothing could get Vic Fangio out of his seat. <laughs> there was a, a like a top 10 worthy alley-oop kind of one of the ones where the the oop wasn't great so it turned into a better dunk like he had to reach way behind his head to get it and phil exploded and vic stoic but when you're in the front row why do you have to get up what do you mean it's it's just natural it's how you express <laughs> right, your natural but maybe excitement. you can sit in your chair and kind of pump your fist but you you don't have the point of standing up sometimes is to see around you because the person or see in front of you because the person in front of you stands up have you never stood up off your couch from something you saw on tv <laughs> okay good point now what, what are we talking are we talking he was giving golf claps after that just fist pumps nothing Maybe a golf clap here and there. <laughs> oh, wow. Are, are we sure he's not a USC fan? Could be. Could be. I can't imagine uh, why he would have ties to USC. I guess when he was coaching the 49ers, maybe he... Uh, not close. They hate SC up there. But I mean, like, he was in California. Maybe that was during OJ Mayo's time at USC. <laughs> he became a USC basketball fan. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here. But yeah. yeah. Vic was uh, very Vic-like. I'll say that. And then... Just a few spots down was John Elway. Was he also courtside? Yes. Wow. And you know what's messed up? What? Well, not messed up, but I made a bad decision yesterday. Uh Uh-oh. I had a chance to sit courtside, but I decided to be the good boyfriend that I am. There's only one seat courtside. (laughs) And to her credit, she told me, "You you should sit courtside, but I said no. Babe, I want to sit with you. Oh, look at you. Just one week removed from 
Valentine's Day. But I could have been sitting. I mean, I would have been chopping it up with Vic and John and <laughs> and Phil all night. So was your was your seat next to John? Did it he just actually would have been ticket? really. No, it, it, I would have been like two seats down from John. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you did it for so, your girlfriend, not for the pod. A slight L on my part. <laughs> slight L on my part, but it's okay. Some I still had a great time. Today. With my girlfriend, and the Buffs won, which is really all that matters in the end. They did. Whew. It's top of the Pac-12, right? Alone atop the Pac-12. Mm. Unfortunately, three out of their remaining four games are on the road, so things are going to be tough for them to stay there. But How did they draw the short straw, by the way, of being on the road the last two weekends of the regular season? I don't know. I guess you could kind of make the case that they have a slight advantage that they only have to play one game have to uh play one game on the last weekend so everyone else is probably going to be playing two they'll be well rested especially if they get a first round bye in the pac-12 tournament going into thursday of the pac-12 tournament so you hope that they're rested and not rusty that's the only concern that you have especially that first game of the pac-12 tournament playing as a team that has already played a game under its belt sometimes that first half is a little bit dicey when you're playing a team that's in a groove but then the rest that you've had bears itself out in the second half. Yeah, I, I was, I'll just say it this way, though. They're going to play on Saturday, and then their next game will be on Thursday, which is the same turnaround that they do every week. Okay. All right, let's jump into the questions from the listeners here. And you guys got the first one in front of you? Yeah, Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys, I am of the opinion that for the 17th game, it needs to be an interconference matchup on neutral territory, save for the four teams that share a stadium. Every fourth year, it would have to rotate, be a different matchup because the teams would play in the standard division rotation. MLB does this well with their rival matchup on a whim. I tried making a league-wide rival matchup. It's not perfect, but here's what I came up with. And just, you, just can, yeah. you go through it. Denver versus Seattle is the one he put, which I like. I think that's the one everybody really wants as far as the history between the two teams. I wonder where Mark IT Snatch got that idea from. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he listened to us. Actually, I went back, and I may put this out on Twitter. I did create a rivalry partner for every team. Most of them are interconference. But what I would do is I'd say that that's every year. And then, for example, when the Broncos are paired with in the AFC West, are paired with the NFC West, oh, well, you're just playing Seattle twice that year like a divisional game. No big thing. Fair enough. Anyway, also, I'm a rare Rockies fan that admits Holiday didn't touch home. That is false. Yeah, no, not true. <sighs> Guys. Come on. I agree. This was because he, him. he smashed his hand into Michael Barrett's foot, who was blocking the plate. This was legal at the time before the Buster Posey rule. Well, why didn't Michael Barrett just tag him out then? Because he was safe. Oh, Once yes. you touch home, you're, it's over. Yeah. The ball got away anyway. <laughs> See, nowadays on replay, you just make a point of, t- of just in case, yep. tagging him with the ball. Yep. Just mm-hmm. to... It states a fielder cannot block the base path unless they have to in order to make a play on the ball. However, by the time Buddy Black, then the Padres manager, could have challenged the play on video review, the Posey rule was already in effect. Therefore, he would have lost the challenge. Further, Garrett Atkins, I remember the way I'm, Alan Roach used to say his name. I loved it. Clearly, I saw Garrett Atkins tweet uh, about how CU shouldn't hire Steve Sarkeesian the other day. Wow. It's like, where, 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 where did you come from? <laughs> well, wow. he got his wish. Is he a USC guy? I think he is. I think so. Yeah. Mm. 
So Garrett Atkins clearly hit a home run in the bottom of the seventh that was ruled a ground rule double. It bounced off the top of the left center field padding. Such a joke. He was then pinched run for by Jamie Carroll, who didn't make it home. Ironically enough, it was Carroll that hit the single that sent Holiday home. As the Holiday play was in the 13th, it never should have happened because the Rockies would have won in nine had Atkins' double been correctly ruled a solo shot. Yes, Mark IT Snatch, we call this a little thing called justice. <laughs> and also, I'll take the fashion that it ended in. Yeah. And Matt Hardy sacrificed his face for that very clear run. <laughs> yes, he did. Next one coming in from Flumunda Cheese. For the Captain America's shield versus lightsaber argument, the composition of the shield doesn't matter. If you have a lightsaber and you aren't a young a youngling like General Grievous or General Grievous or General Grievous, why not force choke the life out of the inferior Captain America from a distance and move on to your next opponent? Speaking of silly things, Mace have you seen the YouTube video, Darth Schwarzenegger? If not, you got to watch it today. Not safe for young ears. Someone overdubbed some of the, the Arnie movies onto Darth Vader. Classic. I'll have to check that out. That's like classic, like 2007 YouTube. Yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's classic YouTube then, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Now for a real question. Is Denver ever going to get a Super Bowl? If not, why? I've heard it's because we turned down the Olympics in the 70s. Is it because we don't have a dome? What would Denver have to do to get a Super Bowl in the future? Three cheers for a short comment. I made it under 150 words. Okay, never say never. I don't expect it to happen with the current stadium. And also, another thing that is in play, when the Denver bid for Super Bowl was being tossed around, there was a question about hotels. Now, if you have some people staying up in the mountains at resorts, you know, you get up to Vail. For the Super Bowl? And, and riding down for the game, yes. That can't happen, right? Well, there's be a sweet ski trip for some people. Exactly. There are, there are some of the well-heeled business and entertainment types that actually are going to want to go to Vail or Beaver Creek or Aspen and stay there and then drive to – and then – they probably take a car service, a limo, that sort of thing, into town for the game on Sunday. Now, that being said, uh, good luck riding into Denver on Sunday if you haven't left early. Yeah, I don't think that could really be sold as, as part of Denver. So the, But the Olympics in the 70s have nothing to do with the Super Bowl. The Olympics in the 70s have something to do with Denver not getting the Winter Olympics when it's kind of made some inquiries well we're the only ones to turn it down right yeah i think that i take that as pride me too i think it's awesome me too it's such a colorado thing to do to get the winter olympics and eh, no what be smart and say that everyone loses money in the olympics (laughs) so we don't want it although it's the biggest hole in the winter olympics that they have not had a winter games in literally the winter sports capital of the world yeah we we don't need their winter games (laughs) we got our own um the the fact that denver doesn't have a dome that is, that is an issue as well. New York having the outdoor Super Bowl, Super Bowl 48, that the Broncos lost, and we won't mention any more about that game. That was kind of a one-off. I would expect that the only way you're talking about Denver having a Super Bowl is if eventually the Broncos are playing in a stadium with a retractable roof. Yeah, they need- All the way out by the airport, probably. probably. Well, you yeah. know what? If they ever were to adopt the Atlanta Braves plan of very quietly buying chunks of land under multiple holding companies, they could start acquiring land, say, by the A-line off toward the airport 
and no one would be the wiser until all of a sudden you announced, boom, we're building a stadium out there. New owner could do that. Mm. Certainly could do Amazon that. Amazon Stadium. <laughs> yep. Basically build Bronco the World. Jungle. Yep. Yeah. Bronco World between the A-Line and Pena. Yep. As you're heading out to the airport. Got a rainforest cafe in there. <laughs> oh, man. Did you ever go to the one in Cherry Creek Mall? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I love the rainforest cafe. Why does that cafe? not exist anymore? <laughs> I think it does in, like, an airport somewhere. There's, Ooh, there's a handful of them left. That. The problem is the restaurants that are built around kind of decor and experience rather than food suck at food exactly (laughs) they don't have the same shelf life basically as restaurants that are where people are coming for the food yes that's the point of a restaurant is supposed to be exactly and so can you only have one of those restaurants in the city like a rainforest cafe like a casa bonita exactly and i think casa bonita has kind of taken that oh god Casa Bonita is so great. <laughs> but the food is so bad. How is it? And they just Why pride themselves on it. I'm just shocked that like some um, like Wolfgang Puck type hasn't said <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to buy this place and just make it have good food. Or if you're, you're making a lot of money if you're Casa Bonita, right? You've been in business for See, a while. And that's that why I think location. they wouldn't sell. Right? right. But if you're making a lot of money, at some point, couldn't, wouldn't you say, wow, we could make even more money if the food was actually good? And hire a chef. But then again, they may be thinking, oh, well, that chef could come in and say, we have to spend more on ingredients. We have to get uh, fresh avocados and make our own guacamole. So now we can't afford cliff divers? Right, yeah. (laughs) Rather than going out to King Supers and buying guacamole off the shelf. I just, to me, I think, honestly, what I think will happen is once that area gentrifies, it will turn into some trendy bar. Like, there's, like, a bar over by the cliff divers, and there's, like, really good Mexican food, and it'll be cool. Or they'll, say they can't, or they'll say they can't afford the lease, if you're talking about gentrification. But that's, that's what I mean. Worry. Someone else will come in and say, okay, we're going to keep the Casa Bonita theme. I think something. I think that's part of the experience. You know, when, when the someone Swanson's comes in. Swanson's Mexican dinners. Yeah, when, so, <laughs> when someone comes in from out of town, you say, oh, man, do you want an experience? I've actually never done this to anyone. I'm like, what do you mean an experience? I thought we were having dinner. And you're like, well, and then the bad food's part of the experience. How would you like to wait in an hour-long line <laughs> to a place that the food is so bad they force you to order it just to get through the door? And... Then you force yourself to eat garbage food to then have some below average sopapillas <laughs> that seem really, really good because everything else was so bad. And but that, there's or, cliff divers. But if I'm you, sold. you sit in prime cliff diving position and then all of a sudden you're having your enchiladas or your taco plate with a side of chlorinated water. <laughs> but People like it because they get to get rid of their kids for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. The Disneyland of Mexican <laughs> Most restaurants. Most guys just go to the arcade and watch some stuff. Do they serve tequila there? I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Margaritas. Apparently, there's a brewery. I, I happened to be watching the news one night, and there was a there's a brewery in that shopping center now, and they they say they get like incredible amounts of uh, mm. people who just like like parents leave their kids in the line and just go over to the brewery. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> call us, you know, call us when you get to the front of the line. <laughs> just don't throw up in Black Parts Cave. Yep. Oh, gosh. The funniest thing is, like, the South Park episode 
it makes it look like it's in like this extravagant location. No, yeah. Like, everything about the South Park episode is pretty accurate, except for they pull up. There's like a massive parking lot. It's like at the. It's like in the mountains. Yeah, it is not like that. But it's they just, get the deco- the other shops in the shopping center. Right, because you look and you see like a pawn shop and a dollar store <laughs> there. And that, that's very on brand for that strip mall. It's true. Oh, Casa Bonita. <laughs> I went there for my 16th birthday, I believe. Oh, did you drive there? Ha- yeah. Haven't been back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a once in a lifetime. But I'm open to returning. Yeah, for the kitsch. I mean, I, I, I went uh, when I was. kitchen? Yeah. I went 12 years ago. Uh, some friends put, took me there for my birthday just because of the kitsch factor. And it was fun. Kitsch? I, I imagine charm. Yeah, like kind of quirky charm, though. <laughs> like, example, some of my bobbleheads, for example, would be examples of kitsch. Mm. Right. Like the uh, like the one with the three people. Or maybe, or, or a bobblehead, like the bobblehead that I have that is... Like it's uh, cool because it's weird and random? Yes, like the little Jerry Seinfeld rooster bobble, which is basically a bobble of a rooster in a kind of a boxing robe that's a takeoff from a Seinfeld episode where uh, there's a rooster who cockfights named Little Jerry Seinfeld. That would be kitsch. How often when you look at your bobbleheads do you think of Drew Soysher? <laughs> Never. <laughs> do you have one of Drew Soysher? Never. Oh, uh, that would uh, honestly, I was blo- that would complete the collection. I was blocked by Drew Swisher, one of many who has the privileges of being blocked by Drew Swisher. Me too. Oh wow, I'm the only one here. Well, did you ever write what I wrote about him, which is for when I wrote, I think this was in 2012, a sportscaster for people who don't like sports. <laughs> that's not e- that's not even an insult. It's true. It is. That's oh, like when the they most... hire the position. That's what they're looking for. Isn't it the most kitsch job? If I understand the word right, I want to see if or I'm that still be entertainment blocked. reporter. Yeah, maybe. I think that's what that position is, though. True. Entertainment. Yeah, you gotta have did, some. You gotta have some sizzle. Did Drew Soisher leave? Leave the platform? Really? I, I know he. he uh, or I can't search him because I'm blocked. He's no longer. Mm. He's no longer in broadcasting. I know that. Oh really? The uh, Phoenix gig didn't last long. Oh. Yeah, Nine News has a great history of uh, sports reporters. Anyways, um, next one here is from Onion Booty Bronco. You can say it the way you want if you Booty. want. Booty! <laughs> uh, RK, you're it's a... the way Steve Atwater says it. Let me make that clear. I got that from Hall of Famer, legend, all-around wonderful person, Steve Atwater. All right. RK, you're a B-boy, and I'm not talking about the dancing kind. You harass me in my dreams. Wherein I was bumbling, I was a bumbling DNVR intern, and then you no show to the tag team cage match to which I challenged you. I'm kidding. I love you. That is all. Are you are you following this better than I am? Not a, not even a little bit. What I can tell is that you are showing up in Onion Booty Broncos dreams as known, a b boy. I've been known to do that here and there. Is that a baller like basketball player? Is that a bad boy? Ball a boy. boy in its essence is a break dancer. Oh, it's it's that was a term for people who liked break dancing. Oh, were you a break dancer? But he said not the dancing kind. So bad. Oh, Maybe boy. a ball boy. Oh, Ryan, you a bad boy. Or a bat boy. Please Maybe stop. you were a bat boy for the Rockies. I don't know. I'm so uncomfortable. Um, he goes on and says, but wait, that's not all. I have a question for you. How gratifying has it been with DNVR since its inception? When it was BSN and uh, I've seen the company evolve into what it is today. A 
damn good institution of orange and blue goodness. Not to mention togetherness, artistry, and dopeness. Love, Onion Booty. Uh, it's been the coolest thing of my life. Uh, when I graduated college, I was like, that that was the, the greatest accomplishment of my life. Like, <laughs> for a lot of people, I think that was easy. For me, it was not easy. Uh, I didn't like school, and so getting through that was a grind. But this has been... 10 times as gratifying as that yeah it's it's awesome to literally watch it grow it's crazy i mean just it happened like it used to happen slowly but surely now it happens like like we we feel like tangible growth like monthly yeah it's pretty crazy yeah i mean i'm a late comer obviously to dnvr so a little bit different perspective but just seeing the last six seven months firsthand like this it's blown my mind, yeah. quite frankly, as far as where it's starting to go and where it can continue to go in the future. And frankly, I mean, could you have seen five years ago some of the areas in which DNVR has kind of extended its tentacles? We don't want to, like, reveal what's next, but there are some really cool things coming down the pipe here. I couldn't think of that five months ago in some of these, these situations. So it's really, really cool. But, Mace, no matter what, you can always say, yeah, I was – I've been with DNVR since all the way back in the BSN days, even if it was only I for a month. I just got in on, under the wire. I'm really excited about that. That's something I'm proud of, but it's it's phenomenal to see uh, what we've done and uh, what's going to come next. I can't wait. Super Bowlin says, RK, don't waste your time teaching my girlfriend texting etiquette. We're probably going to break up. She ruined who was going to go home on the hometown episode. <laughs> Quote, I feel like she doesn't even want me to love her the way I want to love her. Like, no communication skills. I totally see what we can be, but it just implodes. Is that a quote was from The Bachelor? Yeah, was that a spoiler right there for me? Well, you didn't hear who. It's true. I didn't. That was said on this week's episode? Yes. What do you wow. say to that? How, did, how does he respond? Well, he's changing this to make it like he's talking about his girlfriend. Oh, right. Um, but he, yeah, he tells like this girl that he she doesn't even want him to love her the way he wants to love her like <laughs> this one you haven't seen it yet no tonight no yes oh you're, tonight you're yes, signing yes up tonight. tonight um there, there's certainly a twist oh certainly a twist the most dramatic hometowns episode yet does it happen on stairs do they sit down on stairs i've that's what i've seen that so I know who it involves. Allie's like over here giving spoilers. <laughs> I no, I asked for that. I I asked for that. <laughs> Next one coming in from Not Alexandra. Hmm, I think I know who this may be. Best name in Broncos history. How is this even a discussion? Elvis Cool Doomerville is not only the best Broncos name, but perhaps the best name in human history. It has it all. Elvis, the King, Cool with K. And then the cherry on top, Doomerville. The last stop on the highway to hell. A tip of the cap to his parents. It takes real cojones to give a kid that type of name. And even bigger cojones to live up to it. Honorable mention, Champ Bailey. So clean and the perfect name for a Hall of Fame cornerback. Are we judging by their given name or by their nickname? Because Champ's given first name was Roland. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, what about Boss? Career. What was Boss's given name? Or is that is he actually named Boss no, Bailey? No, that wasn't Boss his given Bailey. name. I don't remember yeah. his real name. That's the that might be the best football name ever. Oh, Rodney. Huh? Rodney and Roland. Ronnie and, and then, Roland. Isn't there another brother who doesn't have a cool name? No, no. It's way. like Champ, Boss, and Jim. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> 
<laughs> they just knew he uh, wasn't going to be a, a sports player when he was young, so they just left him at that. I yeah. want to find this because it's funny. Or maybe he didn't earn the nickname. Oh, Earned man. Could you imagine your parents giving you and your two brothers cool nicknames like that? And they said, but by the time you're out of middle school, if, if you haven't earned this sports-wise, we're taking it away. No, you've got Champ Bailey. Uh, who's Roland Bailey. Yeah. You've got Boss Bailey, who's Rodney Bailey, and then you just have Ronald. <laughs> oh, boy. Ron Bailey. Hey, this is Ron Bailey. What if they just a... went with Don? Right. Could have helped him out yeah. a little bit. you got Champ Boss and Don. <laughs> the Don. Yeah. That's how you do it. But he really got the shaft. What would have been Star? Sure. Like Champ Boss, Star? Could have been um, Hefe. <laughs> Could cojones speaking of that no, probably not <laughs> hulk they should have just named him given the nickname of shaft because he was shafted yeah he really was name. or like afterthought <laughs> or maybe like one of shaq o'neill's uh shaquille o'neill's na- nicknames diesel <laughs> diesel bailey or literally just mistake because oh wow oh <laughs> have some respect come on that's almost as disrespectful as putting peyton manning's name under frank chapukas as a oh, footnote oh my gosh so bad speaking Maybe of peyton manning footnote yeah. bailey yeah speaking of peyton manning this is from peyton is my manning first time commenter but something you hit on during thursday's podcast was intriguing to me as an hr professional i subscribe to the idea that if you take care of your employees your employees will take care of you and i'm wondering how this concept translates to the NFL. You mentioned that you don't want to be known as a team who doesn't take care of its players. Which teams are known for taking care of their players, and how does that translate to their record? Also, I'm aware that there will be outliers, such as the Patriots, who can treat their players however they'd like because of their winning record. On another note, I'm married to a microbiologist, and I thought you might find it interesting to know that the coronavirus gets its name because the virus looks like a crown when you look at it under a microscope. You can use that little tidbit to look super smart at your next party (laughs) since you always help me look super sexy to my husband when I can drop some Broncos knowledge on him that I learned from all of you. Is this Peyton's wife? Potentially? Well, this would the, the spouse is a microbiologist. So... Oh, you're right. I don't think Peyton's a, a microbiologist. But no. so wait, wait, wait. So you got to explain this to me, though. Why isn't it called crown norovirus then? Because corona isn't that uh, like from a doesn't that have like a Latin etymology? Oh, maybe I, I am so, awful with names and pronunciation. If you didn't know. Now to go back to the original point of this, which is it's interesting as far as taking care of the players. Let's just use a negative example that has been in the news in the last three months, the Jaguars, where they're, you know, they're on Tom Coughlin standard time. Players are getting fined for ridiculous reasons. And you have the NFLPA actually advising its players, don't sign with the Jaguars. Yep. These sorts of things do get around as far as how teams treat players. Also, how the contract negotiations are because if a team is tougher is tougher to deal with than some others, uh, the it's gonna, something the agent's going to take into account, and then that agent who represents another player may tell the other player, "Look, you know, I've I've dealt with Denver in the past. Uh, you're not going to, you know, for example, uh, you may not get uh, what you're hoping for. Go somewhere, go somewhere else. You could use any number of teams, and that's how these things uh, these things get around. Reputation, it may not be always deserved, but it does have a factor in terms. It, it is a factor in determining where guys go. 
It is, yeah. And if you guys were ever curious what 157 pounds of marijuana looked like, well, all it does is take up uh, about the entire back seat or back part of a uh, like an Escalade. The, uh, I just assumed yeah. one Zach Stevens. <laughs> the it's rear, even the more re- than me. <laughs> the rear view mirror is useless there, basically, because you've got so... This is in the back of Greg Robinson's How uh, dare he car. do something so dangerous, yeah. like <laughs> covering up the rear view mirror, not carrying 157 pounds of marijuana. Oh, boy. Who would have thought that the, the guard dogs would have smelled it? <laughs> Seriously. And on that note, I'm out. Oh, you got to go. I got to go. All right. Zach's got places to Love be. Sorry guys. that the, we we ended with me making a joke at your expense. <laughs> <laughs> Might I, haunt me the entire weekend. Don't worry. That uh, that makes my day now. I had to I had to I had to transform those to hurting me to to powering me through. All right. Well, enjoy the bachelor tonight. Yes. And, uh, text me after you. Watch yes, it. It's too I bad will. you're leaving because your comment. Your name is the next comment. Oh, I'll hang around for it unless it's bad. It's from the Danimal. Oh. I have I read this just now. I have no context. It must have to do with something that happened yesterday. Okay, okay. I got one more. Go for it. Oh, he says, uh, Mace, can we settle this? Like, gentlemen, slaps Mace with glove and challenges to a duel. Odd demand satisfaction. Zach, to answer your question, I'm six foot one, 215 pounds, and my shoulders are much wider than the seat. I don't use my frame as a reason to prevent the people in front of me or next to me from getting their space. The armrests are shared. I turn myself a little sideways, and I slide my feet under the chair in front to give my knees room. Ryan, if you haven't picked up, this is about airline seating. Okay. Uh, And yes, I absolutely recline my seat Mm. coming back home after carrying a pack 20 miles Mm -hmm. the day before. The problem is people have... uh, me cent me centric view of the world and think things like I don't recline so nobody should. See, I think that's the opposite of me centric. It's <laughs> thinking of the people behind you. And actually, that's that's where that quote came from because I was asked, would I recline my seat if the person in front of me did? And I said, no. no. It stops with me. I have empathy for the person sitting behind me. Yeah, it's not an I, not an you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Instead of having, as Mace said, a little empathy and understanding why someone else does something too. Maybe a person in front of you reclines due to back issues. Maybe your neighbor takes the armrest because of a shoulder injury. Or, in my case, all of the above. Twice surgically repaired shoulder, twice broken and once repaired back, knees concussion, blah, blah, even struck by lightning. True story. Wow, we gotta hear that story. I don't (sighs) mind when people in front of me recline since they paid for it and I make room for the person next to me. We can all get along. Except for people that talk on speakerphone in public restrooms, wear skinny jeans, have man buns, text K, support the Raiders, take a break from Facebook every other week, and those who pretend they don't want to sing along to Tay Tay singing, shake it off, or party in the USA. P.S. Nib high football rules. I'm with you on all of those, but I take like month and multi-month breaks from Facebook. What does that say about me? <laughs> I don't like being on Facebook. Like, literally the only thing I do on Facebook now, not, most of the time, is post No, what my he's stories. talking about is, like, people who post, like, gotta take a break from right. Facebook. Oh, okay. Okay, that's the problem. <laughs> when you announce back. it, I yeah. get it. That's the problem. My, my breaks last forever. I just don't tell anybody. Based on all these things, going all the way to being struck by lightning, it just seems like 
the type of bad karma reserved for people who recline their seats on airplanes. <laughs> oh. oh. And here I was going to say that Danimal sounds like the most interesting man in the world <laughs> based on his travels. <laughs> he certainly does. Yeah. I guess with all those travels, he has to recline a seat. And what if I have knee issues and you just rammed your seat into my knees? Oh, there's a chance that I sit in front of Ryan on our flight. Oh, I guess it won't matter. Because our seats won't recline, right? Well, I bought our tickets together, so we'll be together. Okay, okay. <laughs> so is someone put in the middle? to the test. No. Well, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that to him? <laughs> because he's small. I know, but... I, hey, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was on the same flight uh, back from... Uh, Oh, you think From, I chose him to be in the middle? No, it's just, oh, that's just okay. going to happen. Because I, I was on a Southwest flight with Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright, and hey, they're friends, but we're not sitting in the same row leaving one of us in a middle seat. We each took an aisle or you a window three seat. Three of us, yes. You go, one goes uh, window, one goes aisle, other person goes other aisle. Yeah, we actually did, because two of us wanted windows, we did back-to-back rows, two Two windows and one aisle. Mm. So not, I mean, hey, we do a lot of stuff together, but I'm not put. I'm not sitting in the in the middle just to keep the gang together. You know, when we were going to Mobile. <laughs> it was um, Brandon on the window, right? Zach in the middle, me on the aisle, and then Andre on the other aisle. And goodness gracious, we caused um, a ruckus. <laughs> Mostly just Brandon's fault, but. <laughs> Not as now, big. Andre's of a, pretty loud person too. Oh yes, that's see, true. See, I get on the plane, I want to sleep. I'm like the world's worst oh, company because I just want my window seat, lean back. I'm out. I'll see you. I'll see you when I land. You have to like. You have to have the greatest lead of all time. And what I mean is like, you better get my attention in the first thirty seconds <laughs> we're on the plane with a really good conversation, or I will be asleep before we take off. Oh boy, remember uh, on the flight coming back from Indy. The uh, thing that caught our attention mid-flight. Oh, why you got to do that? <laughs> what? It what was, was it? It was awful. We heard uh, that we, we we smelled this smell. Oh, and it was so bad. I thought it smelled pretty vile and gross. And Ryan was like, "No, no, no! I think that's just—I think that's like someone brought fast food or pizza or something." <laughs> Chicken lasagna. Parmesan. Chicken parm was it? <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm gonna tell myself that." <laughs> That's—I was trying to convince oh, myself. No. This happened for the last hour of the flight. So the man in front of us got sick all over himself. That's what we oh, were smelling. Oh no! But he slept through it. Yeah. He Wait, s- he threw up and then fell in back. his sleep. So oh. when we landed, he wakes up. <laughs> feel bad for this guy but he wakes up and this is all over it's all over my bag because it was under his seat oh no i didn't know that it was so bad it uh, also he was sweating (laughs) so intensely (laughs) it was such a bad flight for him poor guy (laughs) and it wasn't chicken farm (laughs) chicken farm was not that smell (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was brutal. All right, we oh, got to let Zach End with that. Yeah, See, you, fellas. Much All right. way to finish. See you in Indy. See you in Indy. Safe travels, my friend. All right, next one here is from <laughs> Sir. Where do we go from here? From <laughs> Sir Sketch. Uh, another first time here to comment. You all got me absolutely hooked, and I subbed for all the great Denver sports coverage. We got him. It's by far the best in the region. Mace, growing up in a state without a baseball team, I adopted the Bravos because I. 
could watch them on TBS growing up and adopted the Rockies as soon as they were officially a team. Glad someone else in the DNVR family knows how le- how the legendary Skip Carey mm-hmm. truly was and how much personalities outside of the boundaries of a sport can be as important to the fan as the players themselves. You guys are on that path for me and my family. Keep up the great work. We really appreciate it. Go Broncos. Yeah, Skip Carey, and for every Braves fan who is of certain generations, Skip is kind of the, the North Star. But someone like Skip would never be a team broadcaster today mm. because he's he was a wise-ass, and... He, and he loved the team. Don't get me wrong. He loved the Braves. He loved covering them. But he loved them in that way where when he was angry, he would tear them down. Like he – there are a couple of things that he said, for example, that wouldn't fly. One of them, it's the sixth inning of a game. The Braves are getting blown out. And he says, well, folks, if you if, if you promise to patronize our sponsors, you have permission to go walk the dog. <laughs> so basically, he's telling people turn off the television. Turn, the game, yeah. <laughs> turn off the game. That's hilarious. Um, but I love what he said here that that mm-hmm. personalities outside of the boundaries of sport can be as important to the fan as the players of, of, uh, themselves, and yes. we're on that path for him. That oh. m- that means everything. Um, and it's it's really cool because something I've been saying recently in company settings is like a big part of our job is to enhance the experience of being a fan. And that's how I view what we do. You know, obviously journalism and all that stuff is really important, but to me, what kind of separates us is that's how I view us. Our job is here to make your experience of being a Broncos fan better. Yeah. And that means sometimes maybe not taking it the way, say an old school journalist would, but that's, that's okay. And I think it's, we do things our own way. And that's what I love about us. I mean, we're, we're not going to sugarcoat, things if it's bad we're going to talk about that's bad but i think we're going to always try to do it in a way that is mindful of the fact that all of you listening you love this team yep and i think we can all agree while we see things we try to see things as clearly as possible we do want this the broncos to succeed 100 percent, no doubt and yeah exactly we don't we're not going to lie to you Mm -hmm. but uh you know also if we're talking about um something bad that's going on Right. Usually our next pivot is going to be how do they fix it? Exactly. Yeah, don't let's offer solutions. Let's don't be the, you know, I hate to put a name out there, but you know, Mark Kisla is kind of the guy who historically he'll kind of toss the bombs. Right. I, be, I one of the things he I really know, enjoys that. Yeah, but I think one of the things that separates us is that when we we do that, we try to offer alternatives. Exactly. So, Jimmy Balls, "Hey guys, what is your ideal free agent haul look like for the Broncos?" Mine is something on the lines of I, of Justin Simmons, Derek Wolf, Byron Jones, DJ Reader, BJ Finney, Nick Kwiatkowski, and Randall Cobb. Keep up the amazing work, guys, and thank you for bringing unparalleled enthusiasm to the offseason. I don't care who they get if they get Chris Jones. Chris Jones, then anything else is fine with me. But you don't feel that way about Byron Jones at corner? No, Byron Jones would be great. But it's not a, like... Game, it's not a game changer for me. It's a nice replacement for Chris Harris. There are some rumblings that the Giants are going to be on Byron Jones as well. There's going, which is no surprise. Byron Jones, I think he'd be a great get. There's going to be competition, as there should be, because he is a very good player. Real quick, uh, I want to give a shout out to the Denver Rubber Company. They've been doing this since 1972. They are your go-to, and snow has been oddly. Um, consistent around here lately and so if you need anything for your snow plows make sure you call them they're a one-stop shop for getting you hooked up on those snow plows 
Hit them up today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 and tell them that DNVR sent you. Or you can hit them up at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. Next one here is from Steve Atwater Hall of Fame. He says, cool story. I was walking through a lobby when my son was five, and he pointed out a picture and said, I don't like that team. It was a picture of the Oklahoma City Thunder. We don't watch the NBA, but we are diehard Arkansas Razorback fans. Uh, he was trained to hate our geographic rivals, Texas and Oklahoma. It was a proud moment for me and a definite parent win. And the Nuggets uh, play the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight, so we don't like them either. I don't like the Thunder, but my reasons are different. They never should have left Seattle. When I lived in Seattle, I went to, like, the year I lived in Seattle, I went to, like, 30 Sonics games, and I became a fan. Wow. So I hate the Thunder with the fire of a thousand suns. I hate the Thunder um, because they did have a little rivalry there with the Nuggets for a little while in the George Carl era, Mm -hmm. late George Carl era. When KD was still there. And KD and Westbrook, and I always hated Westbrook, and Zach's not here to defend him, so too bad. Seattle drafted Durant. That's what they always say up in the Northwest. Yep. Um, anyway, he goes, flash forward to today. My son is 13, and he's on his way to his first NBA game with his best friend, who is a Chiefs slash Thunder fan. You've got to get him away from that kid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I almost made, wow. made spit out his drink. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. He says he decided it's to cheer for whatever team they're playing because we don't care for Oklahoma anything, and he hates the Chiefs as much as I do. Lo and behold, the team he's now playing for, pe- pulling for is none other than the Denver Nuggets. All week we've been researching everything about them, and I bought him his own subscription so he can listen to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. It looks like we'll officially be Broncos and Nuggets fans. I'm proud to say you got both of us. That's awesome. awesome. That's wonderful. So cool. Does this make us bandwagon fans? Because Nuggets are pretty good now, and we're jumping on the bandwagon. I feel like fate has willed us to be Denver everything fans. You know, the reasoning being different, I'm going to say, no, this isn't a bandwagon type of situation. Also, like, I don't even think you could possibly be a bandwagon Denver Nuggets fan. They don't, they've never even won a championship. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you are coming in at a nice time, but the only teams you could be truly a bandwagon fan of are, like, the Warriors, the Lakers, um, even, I guess, the Raptors right now you could have bandwagoned onto. But, like, you can't bandwagon a team who is at a – competitive disadvantage against most teams they're playing. Would you say that the team has to have one championship recently or multiple championships historically to be one that you could say bandwagon? Yes. Okay. So the Broncos, if you hopped aboard when Peyton Manning was there, they already had two world titles. That would be a bandwagon hop. Yeah, and that's that's another one where like even if it was – before the championship, it still is a little bit that. But a lot of a lot of the people that listen to this podcast right. became Broncos fans during it. I actually don't have anything against bandwagon fans if who they, are looking for yeah. their first team, or they've something's happened with the first team. Like I understand that. Okay, maybe your first team had bad ownership, or maybe they relocated. Like if you were a Rams fan in St. Louis and they turned off the market and then they left and you found another team, and it happened to be the Broncos. That's wonderful. And the other thing is this. You can hop on a bandwagon, but if you're still there for tough times, you're not a bandwagon fan anymore. You're just a fan. So those Bronco fans that came aboard in the Peyton years but are still here, you're not a bandwagon fan. 
You're just a Bronco fan. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what I mean, kind of, is like if you're looking for a new team and you hop on a bandwagon, okay, you know, it, it makes sense. Um, but you do have to stick around or else then what are you, what were you doing in the first place? What I don't like is people who just kind of jump around. Oh, now I'm a Patriots fan because they're really good. Oh, uh, I think I'm going to be a Lakers fan. You know, it's like that's the true bandwagoning is you're just hopping on whatever is successful at the time. And then you miss out on the, to me, the best part of being a sports fan, which is being there when it's down and then being there for the rise. It's like when you meet somebody and they say, I'm a fan of the New York Yankees, the New England Patriots, Duke basketball, the Golden State Warriors. Then you're talking to somebody who's not a true fan of any of them. Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, one thing that I think is so incredible about being a CU fan is... I always say this, we have been filtered down to the most pure group of fans. If you had, if, if success is important to you, you're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I talked about this last year when I went to Lincoln, Nebraska, I felt like all of the fans that I've come to know just because our fan base has been dwindled, we're all there. And then we all got to experience that incredible win over Nebraska together. And it was like, wow, this is what being fan is all about. You, you know, the camaraderie of being with people through the tough times and then enjoying the experience when you finally break through. Yeah. I, my dad, one of the schools he went to was North Carolina State. And NC State basketball and their fandom has helped me understand CU football fandom. In that... There's, there, were, there was a moment where they were the king of the mountain. Mm-hmm. CU has one national title. NC State had two in a decade. But they also had long runs where they were perennial top 20. And there's still that hope. Okay, we can get back to that somehow. And then when you have that moment, like CU beating Nebraska or like State beating Duke a couple of nights ago by 22 points, and it's just an explosion of emotion that results. And when I was able to kind of figure out that the two were connected, I think I finally got the CU perspective. I mean, another thing I said about this was CU went five and seven last year. I got more enjoyment out of the five wins than I got pain out of the seven losses. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So our friend, the count, how dramatically will the 17th game increase contracts? Could this increase nudge Patty McCombs toward consummating his marriage with a half billion clams in his career? Love the count. Well, that's right now, based on the original proposal from the owners, that 17th game, players would get their salary increased by one seventeenth of what their contract was. So basically adding another week's salary up to a limit of $250,000. That's going to be problematic for a lot of starters, team leaders, etc. because if your salary is more than $4.25 million, that means for that 17th game, you would make less money than any other week over the course of the year. And so that's something I think it's part of the back and forth. It's I think it's something that'll have to be resolved over the course of time. But yeah, think about it this way. If Patrick, if, if Patrick Mahomes signs... What do you think? 40, 50 million a year? In that range, for sure. Okay, so let's say 50 million a year uh, divided by, if it's based on the current schedule, divided by 17 weeks because they're paid by weeks, not by games. So they get the same pay for their buy as other weeks. 
that's a little little bit below $3 million per week. So theoretically, that would take Patrick Mahomes from a $50 million a year, a year player to $53 million a year. Yeah. yeah. That's... I mean, it's it's just something that everyone's going to account for in terms of drawing up these contracts. A lot of money here. A lot yes. of money here. Yeah. It, could it get him to a half billion dollars in his career? Maybe. Would not surprise me. I I I still think that we're creating toward a billion dollar player at some point. And Patrick Mahomes, God forbid, could be that guy. God forbid for Broncos country at least. <laughs> Uh, next one is from Love Thunder Down Under. He says, hi, everyone. This comment is exactly 250 words. This should give you a feel for how long we should all comment. You'll find 250 words is ample to provide some prelude, thank the DNVR crew, ask for a football-related <laughs> question, and importantly, contribute to the raging debate of sandwiches, salmon, cuisine, and whether water in Colorado is superior to the rest of the world. It is. His words and mine. This sentence has word... Wait, not yet. Now, 75. Well done. Sorry, I <laughs> forgot. Okay. I, I buried the lead there, <laughs> something along those lines. So I've passed the famous Mace Glee line and have fully communicated the idea. Yep, just only touching on 100 words. Wait, now. Okay, so to reach 250, I will now break into song. He stopped. Thank you. I don't know. I, I'm, I feel like people are assuming I'm more hard and fast on this 250-word limit than I actually am. I think 250 words is a nice sweet spot. It's a good guideline. But it does. But if you've got a story to tell, put the TLDR on there and by all means tell it because we're not the only ones who read this. All of our, co- all of our commenters and uh, people who are part of the DMVR fam read this as well. So Yeah. From Iceman, hey, friends, Mace, the Seattle Sea Chickens would be the only logical rivalry to be reborn for the Broncos. I would prefer Seattle to come back permanently and send the Chargers or Raiders to the NFC West. Chargers would be nice. Go Broncos, Drew, Alley, and Lindsey. P.S. Broncos number two for Hard Knocks was Dan Hanzoos around the NFL podcast, a written assignment for the NFL. Yeah, we were discussing uh, how there were some people on social media saying the Broncos were second choice for Hard Knocks. It turns out it was just somebody ranking the possibilities. They haven't chosen yet, have they? No, no. But Dan Hanzoos did agree, I think, with the sentiment that we've had here that Pittsburgh seems like an obvious choice because of their popularity. I still, and I think you may feel the same way, feel like Arizona with Kyler Murray Mm -hmm. is a saucier second choice nationally than the Broncos. Although Kyler isn't great for the cameras. Just something. In terms of in terms of like how he talks. Yeah, he's just not that like exciting of a person. But maybe he's exciting in the locker room. I mean, there, we Possible. haven't we have not heard anything negative about his leadership and command in that room. It's been all positives that have leaked out of Arizona regarding his presence as a quarterback. Yeah. So, Big Tabowski, just for clarification from me, someone who was old enough to have read comics and is a Marvel fan, I have to say I think Mace was right about Shazam. He was originally Captain Marvel before Marvel had the character. Marvel took DC to court, and they had to change the name to Shazam. DC comics are crap. Marvel comics are fantastic. Aside from Batman, all DC heroes are way too powerful. Makes them less interesting. On to the Captain America shield question. It's made from vibranium, not adamantium. I'm sorry if I butchered that. And it is not indestructible. I am nerdy enough about Star Wars to know my midi-chlorian levels are fairly low, but not geeky enough to be fluent in 
Shuri Wook. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Long story short, a lightsaber would cut through the shield, but wouldn't be straightforward like other metals. And then, okay. And then he said, "Someone no, answer this, okay. please. Delete this comment or don't read out saved." Oops. Oh well. We liked it. We love. We love you anyway, Big Tabaski. From Mountain Drew, <laughs> my dudes. I'll keep it short and sweet. Byron Jones equals sixteen mil. What should our top dollar be? Our CHJ and Shelby failing the Elway test by running their mouths. Meanwhile, Wolf and Simmons about to get paid. Your friend Mountain Drew. Well, I think it's not a matter of failing the test. I think it's just frustration on on their parts. They feel like. Something should have been done before. It hasn't been done, and they see the writing on the wall. And then I think there's other things as far as, you know, what they're saying publicly and so forth that that may uh, drive this. But, yeah, Simmons is going to get paid, even if it's a franchise tag, leading to a contract extension. Wolf, I'm starting to hear some buzz that uh, things could be looking positive for the Broncos there for Wolf. From Love Thunder Down Under, I can attest to the incredible experience of the pilgrimage to Denver. Seems like the best time to share this for those who daydreamed for just a moment when May spoke of making the trip. This year, my best mate and I made our way to Colorado for our 30th, my wife fully signed off, I wasn't exiled, landed into, uh, in, into a late summer day in October before heading to Estes Park. Woke up in the morning and a snowstorm had rolled in. Hiked in a whiteout in Rocky Mountain National Park with golden leaves of aspen all around. Then down to Denver. Started at the amazing Denver Beers uh, at 12 in Lodo. Saw Avs win an OT against the Coyotes. Then more beers. Then game day versus the Titans. Tailgate with the DNVR crew was exceptional. Strawberry sky on ice. People doing fireball shots with Mace chuckling to his own jokes mobbed by a mass. If I don't, who will? <laughs> then onto the stadium. And who else do I walk with but Zach Stevens? Never was there more a bro-romantic bro stroll. A memory for a lifetime. Aww. The game was everything I hoped. Defensive domination. After a recovery day, up Pikes Peak we went. 5.30 a.m. kickoff and at the summit by 2 p.m. Staying at Camp Bar overnight on the way back. Chiefs for Thursday night football was incredible until 10 minutes into the first quarter. But hey, getting the big highs and lows is what fandom is all about. Amen. Mm -hmm. 10 days. An amazing trip. We did it all. Had Breck Brews. Went to the Green Solution and picked up my Sonicare toothbrush at Green Mountain Dental. <laughs> didn't go to drc because i felt like that would be hard to explain to my good wife that the rubber company only <laughs> helps plow snow amazing trip won't be my last if you're thinking about it do it just do it p.s anyone work in banking in colorado i need to speak to you if you do make my dream come true this makes up the rest of my 250 word comment i feel like but well, that was 250 words it's Maybe. broken up pretty well maybe it's longer than that but we're not keeping trap because it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful story uh, yes. quite frankly and as i'm reading this it sort of hit me that we could have sort of a a segment or a section of dnvr that's almost like denver pilgrimages because so many members of our dnvr fam are from far-flung locations all over the globe it's true yeah come up with a little uh, itinerary yeah, just because you don't live in Denver doesn't mean that you can't be Denver. We say we are Denver. Oh, yeah, and when we say we are Denver, we're talking about you, whether you're mm -hmm. in Sweden, Switzerland, Antarctica, or Denver. Yeah, that's that, that's really amazing. Appreciate that, Love Thunder. Mr. Undrafted, with the Lions releasing Damon Snacks Harrison, do you think the Broncos take a look at him? And what kind of contract would they offer if they did? Random question, what's the longest road trip you guys have been on? Uh, for me, I went from Washington, D.C. to Denver. Wow. Yeah, I did the move when I went from uh, South Florida, from Fort Lauderdale, moving up to Denver in 02. 
That's a long one. It's a long drive, and I'm glad I did not do that alone because Western Kansas, I nearly fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah. It's hypnotic. Uh, on day two, so we went uh, D.C. to Chicago, which was actually a little bit out of the way, but it was worth it because we were going to a concert in Chicago. Uh, and then we thought we were going to go to Chicago to Denver, but we got a late start, and then we hit Nebraska, and yeah. the storms were insane. I'm talking Ooh. like downpour, like nothing you've seen. So we decided to call it a night there, made it a three-day trip. And then on the question about Damon uh, Harrison, the past contract that he got, there was, um, look, let's see, he had $7.5 million in bonus, a gu- another guaranteed salary of a, minute, so, of a million. So he had effectively a three-year $27 million deal with $8.5 million guaranteed. So you could probably get him for less than that. Of course, he has eight seasons under, under his belt. He's on the other side of 31. I think if you can't get something done with Derek Wolf or Shelby Harris, you take a look at a guy like uh, like Snacks. That being said, mm, I'm not willing to pay too much for him, in part because I think you can get better pass rushing uh, presence from other defensive linemen. Also, at 350 pounds, he's a nose tackle, and he's probably a little big to be a nose tackle in Vic Fangio's scheme. And I don't think Damon Harrison is uh, worth that much more than Mike Purcell at this point. So I'd do a pass on Damon Harrison. I, the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that Vic Fangio loves to kind of take in a failed high-round draft pick and give them a chance. So yeah. The next one is from Amarider Amarillo. Fun fact, Noah Fan has the third least rushing yards in Broncos history. His <laughs> negative 12 yards ranked just below Brandon Lloyd's negative 18 and Peyton Manning's negative 55. Tom Ruin had a much better yards per carry average, amassing negative 11 yards on five carries. I realize this is totally irrelevant to anything, and Fant has all the makings of a great tight end. But glad we don't have skanks around trying to give, give him the uh, ball to run anymore. Also, Pro Football Reference is a very fun place to waste time on meaningless stats. Y'all have a good one. It is a, a great time, great place to waste time, meaningless stats, but also a phenomenal resource to check stuff and research stuff and uh, find historical stuff. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Dan Burke, something I find interesting about the reported interest in Darius Slay is that the Rams are considered leaders in the clubhouse along with the Broncos, this being despite trading two first-rounders for Ramsey. Is it possible that Fangio and, by extension, Brandon Staley have identified Slay as an ideal scheme fit for the defense? For what it's worth, I wouldn't trade more than a three for him. If we have to give away a second, then we're getting fleeced, in my opinion, especially when you consider the extension that he will want. I'd rather give... Byron Jones, a blank check, shake my head. Also, Mace, you touched on this the other day, but could you expand on if there's any particular person we should be giving credit to for hitting on undrafted free agents? I'm assuming there's probably several people responsible, and each UDFA probably has their own particular scout, executive coach, pounding the table for them, but is there someone who stands out as being above the rest? What do you think? I, I, I tend to give credit as a collective to the scouts just because the undraft, the successful undrafted free agents, they're not coming from kind of one spot, one area of the country. Like Philip Lindsay, for example, uh, being in the backyard, uh, Dave Bratton is the scout who'd kind of be most responsible for having the reports on him. Uh, Malik Reed had a good season uh, last year as a 
versus a starter filling in for Chubb, then more of a rotational guy, but you can't, but a good solid year for an undrafted player, he'd be your uh, Western regional scout, et cetera. So you kind of, it's, it's across the board. One thing that is interesting about the Broncos under John Elway is that the scouts there feel more, I know they feel valued and that their opinions do matter. There are some teams where the scouts are kind of dismissed and the scouts for the Broncos under John Elway have a lot more prominence than they did under previous regimes in terms of the influence they have. And I think a big part of that is John Elway's father, late father, Jack Elway, who worked in the scouting department of the Broncos uh, after he was done coaching and before he uh, he passed away. And so there's a great deal of respect that John Elway has for the work of his scouts. Totally. He also goes on and says, also shout out to Brad Williams for raising $200,000 for the young Australian boy who was getting bullied. I know Brad's a huge Broncos fan, even named his daughter Elway, so he may be listening to this podcast right now. Respect to Brad. Oh, that's awesome. Really cool. Tremendous. From Larry Den Jr. Hey guys, so I'm surprised I haven't had to ask this sooner. The only thing I love more than the Broncos is fantasy football. So I believe in Drew. I'm a big stack your roster with a lot of talent draft a quarterback late guy. So Drew will 1000% be my starting quarterback come week one. But Broncos players are going to be a value because people overlook their production. Cortland, I don't know if he's a secret anymore. LOL. But Phil, I'm sure you can get late like third to fifth round. Do you think Phil can have 1500 or more from scrimmage? Phil's hands are suspect. I was so hurt by his drop that caused Royce to be on the field more than he should. And, I mean, do you think this could be a breakout year for Noah? If you could project Noah in this offense, what's the floor? What's the ceiling? I think the floor for Noah Fan is what he did last year. Yep. The ceiling is George Kittle, Travis Kelsey-like production. I think he probably settles somewhere around Evan Engram's per 16-game production over the last couple of years, which would be about 60 to 70 receptions, 800, 900 yards, 6 to 8 touchdowns. Fair. Fair to expect, and if you don't get a Kelsey or a Kittle, that's starting tight or Zach Ertz, that's starting tight end in fantasy numbers. Yeah. You're going to be in good shape there. How about to fill fifteen hundred? What do you think about that? I think it's possible. Uh, I think that would be his ceiling, mm-hmm. but I think it's possible. Um, you know, eleven hundred yards on the ground, four hundred yards in the air. Yeah. The one thing that I think is interesting is Larry talking about Broncos players being of value because some overlook their production. That depends who you're drafting with. Mm -hmm. If you're in a fantasy draft that has a lot of Bronco fans, they're probably going to overvalue them a little bit. I've kind of made a practice over recent years to stay away from Bronco players in fantasy because I do think they're overvalued a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing, like, big-time fantasy football with people all over the country, then it's different. Right. But I'm always with a bunch of Broncos. I mean, literally the only fantasy football league I do is the DNVR Fantasy Football League. Mm-hmm. So it's all Broncos fans. Is there room for me in that this year? Oh, yeah. Because I came well, in late. Well, we did, like, a f- – I think we had 68 teams total or something across four leagues. It was crazy. So they will mm-hmm. – there will be room for you, Mace. Can't wait. Can't wait. Thick Fangio. Ah, Mace, I see you enjoy a good yodeling. Long story from yesterday. Okay. But if you are truly a man of culture, then surely you know about Mongolian throat singing as well. I do. I had never heard of it before the Simpsons movie of 2007. <laughs> I enjoy um, a good didgeridoo. Boom, boom. Yeah. I like a sitar. Yeah, that's nice, too. Put the didgeridoo and the sitar together, though. 
I, I like weird instruments. I like bagpipes too. I love bagpipes, except for when they're like right next to you. <laughs> it's like the loudest damn instrument <laughs> this ever. This is true. I saw an article saying Denver is the quote most likely landing spot unquote for Bridgewater. There wasn't any real evidence that this was in motion, just the guy's opinion. But what do y'all think is the likelihood of it, and how would y'all feel? I really wouldn't mind other than the fact that it would be the worst possible thing for Drew to bench him, which is why I don't think it happens. Yeah. Bridgewater wants to be a QB1. He wants to be a starter. I don't think he's signing anywhere where he doesn't get that, and that's why I highly doubt he's going to be a Bronco, unless there are no chairs left at the game of quarterback musical ch- musical chairs, and he ends up having to be a backup somewhere, but that's it. Yeah. From 940 Broncos, hey, all do you, th- uh, do you think there are a lot of fool's gold players that will be free agents, people like Jordan Reed, potentially Jason Witten, that may, be, that may be coast by on reputation, but would certainly be concerning if picked up. I feel like there are a lot of these type of players, and I do not want the Broncos going anywhere near them. Well, with Reed and Witten, you have an injury concern with Reed. You have age with Witten. With cases like that, you're willing to bring them in if the price is right. I think the problem with the Broncos in recent years, last year, take Juwan James, for example. Premium money to a player who had legitimate injury issues that had come up in multiple years over the first five seasons of his career. And... That's where you have to stay away from, giving big money to guys that have a significant red flag of that Titan. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm always a pretty big fan of taking chances on guys if the money is right. Exactly. Bryce Callahan doesn't bother me that much, honestly. No, you didn't overpay for him. Right. That was Juwan he, James is where you messed up. Yeah, Ju- Bryce Callahan, if he's healthy, probably is in the $10 to $11 million range a year. The Turned out the foot injury... And the recovery from it is why Bryce Callahan was available for $7 million a year. Yeah. So, you know, again, if you can get a guy at the right price, I like taking flyers on talent. Yeah. From Hey Duke Abides, gents, I've been mulling over Fangio's decision to leave his assistants at home for the combine since it was announced because, frankly, it makes no sense to me at all. The upside to this seems pretty limited but I don't think that they are worried about leaks and a few days of film study are not going to make or break the draft or free agency. The only conclusion I can come to is that Fangio thinks the combine is not important at all. Hopefully this was something he discussed with the assistant coaches and they were on board because otherwise it comes off as a power move from a jerk boss. Is there a risk that this seriously rankles some of the coaching staff or is this something that guys like Shermer and Munchak are relieved to be skipping? Maybe Shermer and Munchak, veteran coaches like that who've established themselves over the years maybe they probably feel better about it than others and the other thing with Shermer Munchak if the Broncos are going to have heavy presences at pro days there's a chance that they can make up for it for that it's just you lose a connection point and I think the position coaches and then guys like the offensive assistant the defensive assistant the quality control coaches those are guys that gain a lot in terms of contacts and uh, reaching out to people and getting to know people around the league so I could see why some might be frustrated from that regard. Yeah, a guy like Shermer and Munchak probably don't feel like they need to build connections. Right, they're already there. But I do feel like, yeah, like you said, some of the lower guys would feel like, man, the whole NFL world is there, and I'm stuck here at home being sent film. Oh, yeah. And, and again, you know, to the idea that uh, scouts scout and coaches coach, that's fine. Then just give these guys – 
vacation this week. You know, don't make them sit back and watch film. Yeah, they're they're deep in free agency meetings this week. They're gonna be watching films next week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, he goes on on the plane thing. Let's remember that the real villains here are the airlines who have packed so many dang seats on an airplane that every flight is assured to be a miserable experience. Personally, I, I think I'm in the minority here. The more seats, the cheaper the ticket, the better for me. I can be uncomfortable for four hours. I can. I, I don't want to be truly uncomfortable. Like, I'm fine on Southwest. There's not a lot of uh, room between the seats. The thing with, with, say, Frontier, for example, is the seats are wafer thin. And that's one where, okay, I admit I'm in my 40s now, and it's hard to sit on a Frontier seat for four hours. Yeah. Unless you're up front. Because yeah. the, the, the first four rows on Frontier are regular seats. Yeah, I got upgraded ones. into that the other day just for no reason. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm, I managed Well, actually, to, there was a reason. The reason was yeah. that my girlfriend was really nice to the woman who was working at the front. <laughs> and she was like, hey, do you guys want to uh, move up to the second row? Yeah, I, I actually uh, have a trip coming up here in several in, in a few weeks. And I got the first four rows on one of the first four rows on Frontier. And it ended up being a very reasonable price to move up. And yeah. it was glorious. It's glorious. I'm so excited. <laughs> Again, for me, it's all like maybe I'm being cheap. I, I just the cheapest possible flight. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I can I can tough it out for three and a half or two. However long it's going to be, I can handle it. Just save me the hundred bucks. I'll spend it on a nice meal afterwards yeah. and enjoy that much more than the flight. I remember when Southwest used to be the no frills airline. Yep. And now it's like, well, the, the seats are relatively comfortable and you get snacks and all that and you don't have to pay for. Well, and at that carry-ons. point, non-assigned seats was a bad thing. I love that. And now everyone loves it. Yeah, that's the best thing about Southwest. And also their 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 rates are still reasonable. And one thing with Southwest, I factor in the bag fees like Frontier, Spirit, those airlines. You're, pe- you're having to pay for your checked bag, your carry-on bag, et cetera. And when I'm going through travel, I'm thinking, okay, like for the Senior Bowl, I knew I had to check two bags. I knew I'd have two bags with me on the plane. So it actually ended up being cheaper for me to go on Southwest than, say, Frontier once I add everything up. Makes sense. So just... I'm, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fair stalker. You know, I'm, always, I'm always looking for the cheapest thing. I'm always adding things up, so... Uh, one one part. Yeah, one, one quick question with the combine coming up: Who's a Bronco draft pick you questioned, but turned out to be a great pick? I was not as sold on Derek Wolf as a lot of people were mm. in 2012. In fact, uh, I was disappointed on two counts because there were two trade downs involved for the Broncos to move down into the early part of the second round, and those trade downs meant no Dante Hightower and then no Doug Martin, the running back out of Boise State. And I love both those guys, and I was a bit disappointed. Now, Hightower turned out to be a very good player. Doug Martin, in the seasons in which he was healthy, was a beast. But Derek Wolf proved to be a very outstanding part of the Broncos' defensive line now for the last eight years, and maybe that will continue if he can get a contract extension. Well, that said, RK, I think if the Broncos have Doug Martin in 2012, they win the Super Bowl. Wow, I like that. Because remember, they couldn't. They they were trying to run down the clock against Baltimore in the playoffs. Couldn't do it. You had injuries at running back, and Doug Martin that year was a hoss. He was. 
From Humpback Chub 55, Mace, our family owns USDA certified organic orchard and palisade. I'd be happy to supply you with a couple frost hardy varieties of peach trees. Oh my goodness. We wow. Se- we sell fruit at the Saturday Farmer's Market at Union Station as well as many other markets. Come say hi and get some free peaches this summer. Cheers. Humpback Chub, we will definitely come down and get some peaches. And man, this is, this is just how great our family is here that I mentioned on the podcast that we had a peach tree in our backyard and with one of those Mother's Day snowstorms, it got felled and it made us really sad. And we hear from Humpback Chub, hey, we'll set you up with peach trees. Now, I might have to kind of delay the uh, the peach tree planting because we are looks like we're you know put our house on the market move to a different neighborhood at some point but i can tell you once we uh, get settled in our new house then i'll definitely lean on you because we love to have a couple peach trees back in our backyard again that's awesome the fa- this I, this fam is incredible thanks man appreciate I it i definitely want some peaches at the very least and especially the palisade peaches are just amazing i had a this, high point of the year i had this palisade peach infused bourbon ooh it was so good and if you time it right, if we time the year right in our family, we do usually an early summer trip down to uh, down to South Carolina, the beach, and then back up through the Carolinas. So all the peaches coming up from Georgia are fresh then. So the way we kind of time our trips, we have these two wonderful bursts of fresh peaches. We get them down south, and then we come back here in the late summer and get them toward the end of training camp. Wow! Oh my! I mean. You can't, you can't ask for more than that. From World of Suck, here are my thoughts <laughs> on the 17 playoffs. As is, it's kind of lame. Mace's Twitter thread shed some light on this. We'll be getting a lot of teams at 500 or just above 500. Most seven seeds will likely be 9-8 and eight or 10-7. and seven. This year would have been the Rams and Steelers. Honestly, those aren't interesting teams. I don't want Devlin Hodges and Jared Goff in the playoffs. Jared Goff made a Super Bowl. Yeah, and that, by the way, the NFC game this past year, the extra game, it would have been Rams at Packers. Uh, Who wouldn't want that? Yeah, I, I'm personally for more playoff teams. I, I just, I'm in for that. Yeah, but he is right. There are a lot of years when the nine and se- the nine and seven, or even an eight and eight year, uh, to eight and eight type of team that gets in, it's very meh. By the way, RK, the average of a team that would have gotten in since the expansion of 32 teams that would have gotten in with the extra playoff spot, the average record is right on the button at nine and seven. And I think that's okay. Personally, I think nine and seven is a successful season. Would have given the Broncos two more playoff appearances in the last eighteen seasons. Would have given the Browns a playoff appearance in 07. The and and me as a Bucks fan, Tampa Bay would have been in the playoffs in twenty sixteen. Dang. Broncos wouldn't have been actually. They would have been out because they lost to Tennessee head to head. Oh wow. Yeah. So the Broncos were we actually wouldn't the, have gotten a Trevor Simeon playoff appearance. Right. The Broncos were the eighth team that year. Um, he goes on. Here's my proposition. The seventh seed is the hottest team in the final six games. That is incentive to teams who make a run down the stretch. Now that's cool. It just doesn't feel realistic to me. It's convoluted, but at the same time, we, I know we've discussed this on the podcast over the course of the last few months. It would be the equivalent of conference tournaments in college basketball that you have that one chance late to save your season. You get hot at the end, you advance to the tournament, right? Yep. And imagine what it would do for teams as far as the trade deadline. If you're the Broncos, uh, would you have even been in the market to trade Emmanuel Sanders? Probably because there were other issues at play. 
But uh, I don't think there would have been chatter about trading Chris Harris Jr. or Derek Wolf. all those rumors that were floating around, if you had that one chance down the stretch, say, for the final five or six games to put up a record that allowed you to sneak in as the number seven seed. Imagine how fun December would have been for the Broncos, by the way, if, the hot, if you had that hot team getting the last playoff seed and Drew Locke had taken the team. Oh, it would have been it electric been around her. It would have been incredible, incredible, incredible. And I think a lot every year a different team would yeah. get to experience that right. feeling, which would be really cool. I just could never see that happening. Yeah, it won't happen. It's fun to talk about, though, but it won't happen. Goes uh, Next one's from Albino Reno. K, just for RK. Thanks. Loving the nerd chat in here. Lightsaber versus shield. It, as much as I hate to say it, I will go with the saber as it's extraterrestrial and the shield is Earth-made. Now, a lightsaber or a Thor's hammer... That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know more about the lightsaber than Thor's hammer. He said, I'll take the God of Thunder over anyone in Star Wars universe a million times over. Okay. Another interesting nerd question. If, NFL, if every NFL team could have one superhero or villain per team, who would each team pick and why? <laughs> you can use their disadvantages against them. Uh, we're obviously not going to go through all 32 teams, but <laughs> who, would the, who would you want on the Broncos if you could have any superhero? Well, the, because he mentions kryptonite pads could defuse Superman. So, uh, hey, speed kills. Uh, does the Flash have a vulnerability? Probably, but... But Superman's fast, That too. was my first thing, is like, mm. well, I guess if everyone has a super... But uh, the Flash is the fastest superhero. Yeah. So you just give him the ball, and he's gone. Yeah. Touchdown every time. Yeah, you, throw, you, you say, okay, run a post, Flash. And the quarterback just gets it out there. Well, he still has to catch it in that sense. You just run a handoff. That's true, too. run around the edge. (laughs) Didn't think about that. That's pretty good. Cameron J., do Broncos executives read and listen to local news sports shows? Do you guys think that affects how they make decisions at all? 1,000% they listen. (laughs) A lot. Does it affect how they make decisions? Probably not. Probably not, but sometimes when things are floated out there, it's to gauge the public reaction. And so, for example, sometimes you'll see things from some reporters that are kind of trial balloons almost, and they want to see what the public thinks of it. So, like maybe like, oh, you know, we're hearing that the Broncos are uh, considering going after, you know. Joe Blow as a player and then kind of just seeing where things come in on that like maybe Joe Blow's got some controversy in his past and if you look on the responses on social media you see a lot of things saying oh well I don't want the Broncos signing this guy he's got a history of arrests and so forth then they may say okay we can't sell this to the public we're going to walk it back some breaking news here the Bears have just released Taylor Gabriel and Prince of Mukamara ooh so we've talked about Prince as someone, and I was told, sourced information, that uh, he was going to be very interested in being a Bronco. So now that also doesn't count against your um, compensatory, comp- yeah, compensatory mm-hmm. pick formula. Amukamara makes a lot of sense. He played the best ball of his career for Vic Fangio in Chicago. Yeah. Be very, that, I'd be very excited if the Broncos brought in Prince. Now the question is, does that mean you don't pursue a Byron Jones? For example, uh, I think they can 
coexist. I think they can too. I think Prince can be your number two, and Bryce Callahan, if healthy, he's your slot guy. Remember, you can. People are like, oh, well, you're gonna have Justin Simmons. You already have Cream Jackson. It's okay to overspend on the defense right now with a very cost-controlled offense for at least the next year or two or even three at the quarterback position with Drew Locke going into year two. The Broncos can have an imbalance that favors the defense in the short term here, and then it can tilt back to more balance as Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner, Drew Locke, and maybe even some others uh, that they might add in this year's draft start hitting their contracts. So... As uh, my friend Benjamin Albright has said, spend on D, draft on O. Sending out a tweet here really quick. Sorry. So, yes, Broncos executives do read and listen to what degree they take it under account. Again, it depends on the type of situation, but they are aware. And uh, I don't think there's anybody who covers this team on a daily basis who hasn't heard some feedback on something that's been said or something that's been written from the front office at some point. That's part, that's part of the game. Absolutely. Next one's from R.D. Dollywall. Great job on the podcast lately. Keep up the good work. It seems that the three of you have a lot of life experience, especially regarding work. Would you rather be the CEO at a small company or a low-level com- employee at the best company in the world? CEO. Easy. Because Well, actually, I, w- I always joke with Brandon whenever he's like uh, – he like drives a little too jerky or something. I always say, Hey, 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 I don't want to be the CEO of this company. (laughs) (laughs) I like you doing that job. Yeah. But, Um, but so in all reality, watching what Brandon does as a CEO, Oh, he loves it, which is really important for us. It is a totally different world. I don't want to be the CEO uh, of any company. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I've, I kind of realize I'm more of a content analysis you know, boots on the ground type of person. That's where I'm comfortable. That being said, if you're a CEO at a small company, you can make that the best company in the world. And I think Brandon does a tremendous job. I'm not just saying this because he's our boss, but seeing how he goes about things, you see him a little more than I do, but seeing how he runs the company, seeing, you know, all that he's balancing right now, I think he does a try. I have... I have boundless respect for what he does, and I'm not going to sit here and say I could do it. I couldn't. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I could, um, but I definitely. I mean, Brandon, the way that he grinds, being the CEO of this company, is really incredible. And it's not that I don't want to have to work that hard. It's just he right. does things that I'm not good at well, really well. We all grind. We just grind at different things. Yes. You know, Brandon's good good at that that kind of grind. I would rather spend, you know, two or three hours. Well, diving through numbers to create a, a database to, to work on a database of combine data going back uh, 10 years, uh, 10 or 20 years that I can search through and reference next week. We're all, it's, it's a different kind of grind, but we all have what we do and we do well. Um, this comment here from Sir James radio oh, on a scale. Yeah, that's all right. On a scale from zero to Eddie Kennison, where would you rank Chris Harris jr. If he were to sign with the chiefs, have a great weekend gents. Six. Yeah, Eddie Eddie's on another level entirely because he basically quit on the Broncos and then landed in Kansas City and played several years there. Eddie Kennison, true story. My first year with the Broncos, the department I was in, because at the time web the, the website digital was under marketing. So we had a marketing 
Christmas party, and we did a white elephant gift exchange. And one of the white elephant gifts was an Eddie Kennison throwback jersey. Because in 2001, when Eddie Kennison was on the Broncos, they were scheduled to, to wear their throwback orange with the light blue helmets in Dallas on Thanksgiving. Kennison quit on the Broncos before then, so that jersey was never worn, even though it was created for him. And Eddie Kennison, whenever he and the Chiefs came to Denver, whenever he touched the ball, the fans booed like mad. Yeah, I would would people boo if you know the announcer said credit the pass breakup to Chris Harris Jr. on the play? I think it depends on what Chris said when he went to Kansas City. If he was talking about the Broncos with nothing but respect, hey, they gave me a shot. He would. I love, and I think he would. Then I think it'll be. I don't think he'll get booed, and I do think that if he is nothing but respectful, and again, I we both agree that he will be, then he'll probably get the tribute on the scoreboard pregame where they kind of say, hey, thanks, Chris Harris Jr., and he's on camera, and he waves kind of like Peyton Manning did in Indianapolis or Mike Shanahan did when he came back to Denver with Washington in 2013. That's how I think it'll be. Yeah, I think I think you're right there, and he would deserve to get the video tribute, and that's why I don't think he'll mess up his relationship with the Broncos. He would say something like, I won a championship there. Now i got to come win a championship here. I would actually tell him in Kansas City to talk with Neil Smith because Neil Smith came to Denver, won a couple of Super Bowls in a relatively brief time with the Broncos, but he is regarded to this day as a legend in Kansas City and beloved even though he went to the Broncos for three years and the Chargers, I think, for one final season. Neil Smith showed how to do it. I think if Chris follows Neil's example, he can have the same thing in reverse. He would handle it right. I'm almost positive of it. I think we know enough about about Chris to know that he'll handle it very well. All right, last one is from Italiano Bronco. He says, guys, one bite, everyone knows the rules. The best a pizza comes from New Haven, Connecticut. Barstool has given our spot some high rankings. Check out those reviews for Sally's, Modern, Pepe's, just to name a few. If you guys are ever in the area... A pizza party on me. I lived in Wallingford, Connecticut, which was just north of New Haven. How many states have you lived in? Okay, uh, let's see. Um, Virginia, Florida, Washington State, Missouri, Connecticut, Colorado, North Carolina. Eight. Or is that seven? Oh, seven. Virginia, Florida. But two parts of Florida because I lived in both Tampa and Fort Lauderdale. That doesn't change. Yeah. So Virginia, Florida, Missouri, Washington, Connecticut, North Carolina, Colorado. That was, that was eight. Oh, okay, okay. That's seven. I think. Right. Yeah, so yeah, I know all about the a pizza, and that's how they refer to it as a pizza. Wow. Yeah, one word like that. I love Pepe's. I think it's the white clam pizza. Oh. oh. Uh, sadly, I once... It's amazing. Sadly, I once got um, food poisoning from clam pizza, so oh. it doesn't... I got a Garcia effect on that. Oh, okay. Well, it's... Yeah, it... It's tremendous. And they use, like, they basically have kind of the, it's basically the brick oven pizza. So you put in there, there's a little bit of burn Love that. on the cheese. It's tremendous. Um, seven states. Do you know how many I've lived in? One. Yeah, you're true Colorado. I mean, yep. you are, if not the most Colorado person I know, right <laughs> there in the top five. That's one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. So thank you. Well, you have such pride in this place. I it's, really do. It's really cool. 
Thank you. I find myself loving Colorado more because of the way you wax poetic about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that so much. Um, He finishes by saying, now for some football talk. Who do you think would make a good backup for Drew? I've been thinking about Marcus Mariota. Do you guys think he would be our version of Taysom Hill? With the free agent quarterback class filled with options, where would you rank Mariota? He's We've not talked a, about this a little bit. Yeah, he's not a bad option if the price is right. The problem with Mariota is that if Drew Locke struggles, you're going to have people calling for Mariota to come in. And is that something you really want? Or are you better served by a scenario where your backup is kind of a quasi-coach, teacher, somebody who can step in and steady the ship for a few games, but isn't somebody who's going to push Drew Locke and be somebody that they're calling for. The name I keep coming back to is Chase Daniel. A fellow Mizzou alum, been a backup in a lot of different places, very smart, can quickly grasp a scheme, and I think would be good for Drew to be around. And if he has to play four games, it's not, it's not like you're saying, oh, man, we're screwed. You're thinking, okay, we got a chance to win these. He plays within himself, plays within the scheme. Yeah, can I, do all right. I think Mariota is a perfect scenario if the money adds up, if the roles are very defined, and if Drew Locke is successful. But there's a lot of things there. Yeah, and if Drew Locke struggles, I just I don't want that scenario where Locke has a bad half and people start clamoring for Mariota. I, I don't want that for Drew. That doesn't help his development. Exactly. Completely agree. All right, well, that is going to wrap up a long, long week on the DNVR Broncos. I don't know why this week felt so long. Probably because of the Buffs coaching search is why this week has felt so long. You've been double duty this week. Yeah. So, um, But that's going to wrap it up for us today. The next time you hear from us, we'll be coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. We are excited to share everything that we learn. Well, a lot of what we learn here on the podcast and even more behind the paywall so make sure you join and become a member of dnvr today you definitely won't regret it when you see our coverage of the combine we'll talk to you later it's getting me down waiting for